Hello and welcome to the Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings and every episode I have the distinct privilege of presenting E.C. with a question on subject matters that range from nutrition to fitness to the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life. By exploring both the principles at play and the actions worth carrying out, as a result, we aim to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. How are you, EC? Great. Thank you. Fantastic. Today, we're going to dive into the simple, not complicated at all topic (laughs) of inflammation and how exercise perhaps is anti-inflammatory. It's so simple that I can barely even say it out. (laughs) But before we get into the conversation, we wanted to make sure folks knew of an association that you had with a company, a brand that you appreciate that you want other people to know about. Why don't you tell folks about SteadyMD? Yeah, SteadyMD is a concierge doctor service, which is super convenient. I've been using it for over a year now, and it's just great. You can text and video chat with your doctor. You can send questions at any time. I mean, it's basically like just having your doctor as a friend (laughs) on your phone. I've used them for lab results, Mm. for prescriptions. And they're super helpful too, just even in like things like you know, you have to move your prescription location. They're like, would you like us to go ahead and put in the forms for you? And you're like, yes, <laughs> thank you. So it's just a really useful service. And I, I encourage people who want a little bit more flexibility with their healthcare to check them out. Mm. And you talk about a lot people's tendency, especially maybe in our worlds, to think of doctors as something not that useful. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something that you talk about a lot, which is like, actually, no, do- doctors are, they're helpful if you, totally. if you know what you're asking for. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think there's this push for all natural is always better and, and you know, doctors don't know anything yeah. and, and they know a lot. <laughs> and it's really useful to check in with them about their opinion on what's going on and, and not just reading Google to decide yourself. It's, you can send them the Google link and they can let you know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's crazy to me that that is actually a strategy that people use. All right, cool. So if folks want to check out SteadyMD, we left a link to it in the show notes. And you can also go to SteadyMD.com slash Optimize Me Nutrition. So this conversation started from an Instagram post, as many of our conversations do. The text on the graphic there is, exercise is an anti-inflammatory, independent of fat loss, and it dampens inflammation due to age. Even that is obvious that there's a lot of stuff beneath the surface of this. So where do we begin on this conversation of inflammation and how exercise is to a degree anti-inflammatory. Yeah. In that statement that you made, we've kind of got three topics. Of course, we have inflammation, but the statement Mm -hmm. that it's anti-inflammatory independent of fat loss, we have to talk about inflammation related to weight. And then we also have in that statement, it's anti-inflammatory in regards to aging. And so we also have to talk about age. So we have inflammation, weight, and age sort of tease out. Yes, there clearly is a number of things inside of this that we want to dive into. But I think the first place to do so is maybe just getting a sense of what inflammation is, right? It's one of those, and I feel like there was, I don't remember what it was, but there was something else that we've talked about that I'm like, I'm sure that I've said something that made me sound like I knew what I was talking about. But this feels like one of those where it's like, yeah, it's, oh yeah, inflammation, that's bad. But I I don't have any idea what it actually means. So why don't we start there? What is inflammation? What do we need to know about it to kind of get into this conversation? Totally. Yes. Inflammation. Quite a complicated topic for our 20-ish minute podcast. We're going to have to stay really, really general with it. Keep in mind, this is a very small window into the process. 
And I'm sure any immunologist or physiologist out there, if they happen to come across this podcast, they might cringe, but stay with me. It's going to stay general. So inflammation, just think about it as your immune system's response to harmful stimuli. And so I'm going to remind you of this a couple times in that we want inflammation at times. So you want to think about inflammation as the necessary process to return to homeostasis. Like you might have some harmful stimuli. It might be non-infectious, something like a physical injury or a chemical pollutant or even Mm. excess alcohol, excess food. And then, of course, the harmful stimuli could be infectious, bacterial infections, viral infections. We're all well aware of right now in COVID. And so immune cells are sensing the presence of these harmful stimuli, and then they mount a response to get rid of it. And of course, the response is very complex and comprehensive, but this response is this inflammation response that we throw around so (laughs) casually. Mm -hmm. But it involves a lot of different chemical signaling molecules, different cell types. And like, as an example, your immune system response to a bacterial infection versus an autoimmune disease, they both have, quote, inflammation, but the actual exact processes are very different. Mm. So that's kind of generally inflammation. Now, if this stimuli doesn't go away, if we're not able to get rid of the viral infection, if we're not able to heal the injury, or for some reason the biology sort of messes up and the response doesn't end as it should, this is where we have chronic inflammation in that it just doesn't stop. The response doesn't end. And the problem Mm -hmm. with that is in the process of trying to clear or get rid of the harmful stimuli, that bacterial infection, that viral infection, the immune cells also destroy some good tissue. They can damage some proteins. They can damage some DNA in our cells. And when that damage occurs to protein or DNA, just think about it as like they don't work as well as they should. And so once those cells don't work as well as they should, we can lose mm-hmm. function or capacity. This is when we might have poor thyroid function, poor kidney function, poor cardiac output, whatever it is. And so with chronic inflammation, the, pro- the problem is the immune system is ultimately causing unintended damage in a process that was in fact initiated to be healing or to bring us back to homeostasis. Okay, I have a stupid metaphor. You tell me if this is close. Is it kind of like your kitchen's on fire, so the fire department comes, and then they put the fire out, because that's important, but then they just start walking around the house hosing everything down <laughs> that wasn't on fire? Yeah. Am, well, I, am I at least close? I like that. Or even even the water that they use could cause some damage to, let's say, the next door room mm, or yep. something like that, because you know they had to get the fire out. They weren't worried whether or not your living room carpet was going to be God. pristine. Yeah, I like okay. that a lot. So I think the logical first question for me is, how do we know if we can with any amount of certainty, how do we know if inflammation is an issue that we are dealing with? Is there a simple way to know that? Yeah, there is when, especially when we have acute inflammation, something like you broke your arm and there's a ton of swelling, something like you have Mm. a cut, you might have a fever, you have a bacterial infection. These are going to be our signs, redness, swelling, pain. Again, fever are great signs that some inflammatory process, some immune system process is going on. The problem is when we have this kind of chronic inflammation that's associated with a lot of our different disease states, maybe heart disease, something like that, we don't always Mm -hmm. have these obvious signs like a fever or obvious swelling somewhere. And so the way that we measure this chronic inflammation is with different 
blood markers. Essentially, we're measuring those chemical signaling molecules that I discussed as part of the process. And the the thought there is, if there's a lot of these chemical signaling molecules around, the body must be trying to fight some harmful stimuli, right? Like, why else would we have these signals around if if there wasn't a problem? And one of the well-known signaling molecules that gets measured is CRP, or C-reactive protein. And in fact, a lot of people probably have had this measured just when they get their kind of their annual physical. The problem when we look at something like CRP is that it's not specific. So if it's high, we know that you've got inflammation somewhere, <laughs> but we don't mm-hmm. know where. Like. Is it high because you have a bacterial infection, heart disease, or inflammatory bowel disease, right? Like, and this is going to be another plug for doctors. It's not just like they're like, oh, your CRP is high. I know what to do. Like, we would treat a bacterial infection, heart disease, and inflammatory bowel disease very differently, right? So they all have inflammation, but that's like those markers aren't necessarily always specific to where and what's going on. But there's lots of these different markers. Like, CRP is the one that I mentioned that there's over like, 30 of them, I think, if I'm going to get my numbers right. And they're called cytokines, and and they can measure these in your blood. But the process of measuring all these 30 different cytokines, it's not simple. They try to look at which ones are present, which ones are associated with certain disease states, which ones are associated with certain immune processes. Some tend to be pro-inflammatory, like making the inflammation process occur. Some are associated with like dampening or ending the process. Those would be our anti-inflammatories. And of course, some of these molecules, they take on both pro and anti-inflammatory roles. So it's, it's really not so simple to be like, oh, you've got this marker. This is what's going on. And again, we always have to remember that having those markers is not necessarily bad because you're going to have those markers as part of a normal healthy response. So you can't assume I've got some cytokine that's high or some one of these molecules that's high that all of a sudden I have never ending inflammation and disease, right? And that's really Mm -hmm. what makes inflammation confusing. It's not inherently bad. Perhaps that signaling molecule is high because the body's healing itself quite well on its own. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe you happen to catch it in the process of healing. And so this unanimous sort of chorus, I think that we always hear of like decrease inflammation, decrease inflammation at all costs is really missing the complexity and the nuance of the system that we go through these ebbs and flows quite naturally. And we want inflammation at a certain point if our body is healing itself correctly. Okay, I think that's helpful to understand. Where does inflammation or how does inflammation affect weight gain or where can we start to bring weight gain into, and I assume weight loss, into this conversation about inflammation? Right, yeah. So we set the stage for inflammation and and then the post was like, hey, exercise is anti-inflammatory independent of weight gain. So it kind of makes the assumption, right, that we have inflammation with, I'm sorry, independent of weight loss. And so it makes the assumption that we have inflammation with weight gain and, and we do. And so why do we have inflammation with weight gain? Well, the reason is, is when you gain weight, the cells, the adipose cells that store that fat or that extra nutrient load, they grow in size. They get bigger to increase their storage capacity. And when those cells grow inside, the immune system's like, whoa, these guys aren't the same as they were before. What's going on? There's something wrong. And so that process of the cells growing in size attracts immune cells with all of their chemical signaling molecules, aka inflammation. And ultimately, this process has begun because you are eating too much. And so that inflammatory Mm. process won't go away until those cells come back to normal size or until people lose weight. And so this, this is why we see inflammation can be associated with weight gain and obesity. What about aging? Mm-hmm. What about aging and anti-aging? Where, where does that fit in? Or where does inflammation fit into that? 
There are multiple things that happen as we age. So again, 20-ish minute podcast. (laughs) We're going to stay brief Mm -hmm. here. But essentially with aging, there is damage to your tissues over time. Again, these proteins, DNA are damaged each day as a normal part of you creating energy. So in the normal process of you creating energy to do a workout, to do errands, to sit at your computer and do work, in the normal process of that, molecules called free radicals are produced. And these free radicals are what can damage the proteins in the DNA that I've mentioned. And similar to before, that damaged mm-hmm. protein DNA, not so great. Ultimately damaged cells, we have a loss of function or, or capacity. And this is what we see in aging. Our tissues lose capacity and function. We lose muscle mass. Our heart can't pump you know, as much blood as it did prior. We don't produce as many hormones. And so the mechanism for why this damage is occurring is literally because we're producing energy. And of course, that damage is going to accumulate with age. Now, it turns out we actually have an endogenous, or you can think innate, just part of our own system, defense mechanism for these free radicals. They can neutralize the free radicals and they can stop the damage. In fact, they're called antioxidants. And so if you're like, oh, wait, is this the same antioxidants in our diet that we hear about? Yeah, this is it. They, the Antioxidants in your diet can help too. And so these will counteract these damaging molecules that are produced. But again, it's it's not so simple as just like free radicals and the production of them are, are always bad. It's when the production of them outpaces our natural defense system, then we have this problem, right? And so this is what happens with age because the system isn't perfect. Some of the damage accumulates over time. That damage is then the trigger for the immune system to heal those cells. We got the inflammatory process going again. And I just want to point out, this is a really kind of interesting double-edged sword of, of living really and free radicals. And that we, we produce them naturally in energy production, right? But that ultimately is a factor in our decline. So quite a cheery topic, but it's it sort of like, it's, it's, the necessary evil of life you could even think about, you know? (laughs) Okay. So we've hit weight gain, we've hit aging. And now again, going back to the post, the kind of the, the third element here as it relates to inflammation, where does exercise fit into this? Yeah, I think probably the weight loss one is more easy to understand, right? Like if these cells are growing in size, and that's drawing the immune cells, and that's drawing this inflammation response. Well, if we do exercise and we use up that stored energy, those cells will shrink back to normal size, and then that inflammation process will go away. So weight loss can be anti-inflammatory in that way. But the post said that exercise can be anti-inflammatory independent of weight loss, and so we have Mm -hmm. to kind of look at that too. And we talked about that free radical production. And so maybe when I was talking about that, you might've been thinking, well, doesn't that also happen when I work out? Like when I work out, I need more energy. So I'm probably producing these free radicals to a greater degree. And that's true. But it doesn't appear that that free radical production associated with exercise is is more damaging. And hopefully you're like, huh? That, that doesn't make sense. Why, why would that be the case? It turns out the Mm -hmm. body adapts. (laughs) It's almost like biology is one step ahead of us, right? Like, just like the body adapts to be able to do more thrusters or pull-ups in four minutes, you get better at it, right? The body adapts to how we can handle the production of these damaging molecules. And so literally the stress of training makes the body's defense mechanisms stronger in the face of them. Those free radicals are going to be less damaging potentially in athletes because of their training and exposure to him 
to them, the body is now mm. more robust at dealing with them. And so it's just, again, like the body is so freaking amazing. It's like it deals with these stressors and it already starts training itself to adapt in a better way. And then, yeah. And then if we were to take that kind of inflammation process related to age, remember we have those free radicals produced just all the time throughout the day for energy. And so this damage from them can accumulate over time as we age. And so of course, if our natural defense systems from exercise are better at dealing with them, that's also just going to be true throughout the day. Like that same mechanism is going to protect us throughout the day. And so we're going to be more protective as we age because of that. And that's Mm. what they find in these studies is that when you look at these chemical signaling molecules in older individuals who exercise compared to older individuals who don't exercise, the ones who do exercise have less inflammation. And there was a really, really crazy study that I saw that they took this this older population that they labeled frail and the average age was 81 and they put them on a 12-week exercise program. And one of the molecules they measured, now remember there's a 30 of them, so we don't totally have the whole picture here, Mm -hmm. but one of the molecules they measured after this 12-week program of average 81-year-olds dropped to that of 23-year-olds. I mean, that is freaking Mm. nuts, right? I mean, they considered these frail 81-year-olds and they got their inflammation down to what healthy controls were at 23. So it's just showing that even as somebody who's aging, they can protect against the damage that comes with aging through exercise. And is ultimately that, to a large degree, is, is that kind of the point of why it's important to understand these things is because it's not just about losing weight today. It's not just about, you know, looking good next summer on the beach. It sounds like it certainly carries over in the long term. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think we always think about exercise to lose that weight or I want to lift a heavier back squat, but this overlaps with health goals as well. And there's a lot of other things that are related besides just this protection against inflammation from exercise in terms of health goals, like preserving our lean muscle mass that we've talked about, you know, and 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 that's again not from a performance standpoint, but that could be to keep you living independently and to help make mm-hmm. sure that you're resilient in the face of a fall or something like that. There's benefit to exercise in terms of better cognitive function. There's benefits like we get detoxification, which is such a, you know, a word that's thrown around, but just by sweating. So there's so many other things besides this kind of anti-inflammatory action of exercise that are associated with health and, and not necessarily for our weight and performance goals, right? And this is really the basis of the consistency project, you know, picking these four levers, diet, quality, quantity, exercise, and sleep that affect a lot of systems simultaneously. You know, I think people have these specific goals related to weight or performance, but when we use these levers that have multi-system effects, we can find that we address most people's goals, regardless of their weight, health, or performance with overwhelmingly similar approaches. And so is the prescription here get out, get to the gym, go outside, work out, exercise. What do we need to know? What do we need to understand about how to even do that effectively? Yeah, most of the research, I mean, of course, yes, go exercise, right? And and most of the research is more geared towards looking at the effects of aerobic training, you know, 30-minute sessions, 60-minute sessions, mm. stuff like that. So, you know, most of that inflammatory research has looked more in that light. But again, I would say that there's more research needs to be done as there always needs to be. But we can't, again, just only think about inflammation, right? We want that muscle mass for weight or body composition for, you know, strength goals, stuff like that. So we don't want to be too exclusive as like, well, I need to only focus on 
decreasing my inflammation. So I'm only going to run for 30 minutes. You know, there's benefit to mixing it up, mm-hmm. both aerobic and strength training. And I think with all of it, what we want to keep in mind is this adaptation that our body grows stronger in the face of a stress. And so we need to provide enough stress to drive that adaptation. It doesn't mean, you know, leave yourself in a puddle every day on the floor, but it does mean that like when we're looking at these benefits from physical exercise that, you know, some types of like meditative yoga aren't going to do it. I'm not against meditative yoga. I think that's great for other reasons. But when we want mm-hmm. these kind of, you know, strength goals, when we want these anti-inflammatory goals, it's going to have to have something that actually has a physical challenge. So a walk or consistently walking might have benefits in the same way that meditative yoga does, but perhaps doesn't tackle this particular problem. I would say that the benefits from walking are going to be less so from like improving your innate defenses to the free radical production of kind of energy generation. Mm -hmm. But then we have to remember there's so many other things going on that if you lose weight because of walking, right, we might get some anti-inflammatory effect by the weight loss. And you also might have balance and coordination involved in walking. So this is where we have to remember that kind of our whole health picture is more than just inflammation, right? Mm. Yeah. But in terms of like your ability to handle free radical production, I think that walking is probably going to deliver less benefit unless it's at a pace that's challenging for you on the cardio side than let's say something like Fran. Yeah. I think maybe we can start to wrap this conversation up. Yeah. I think you've done a good job. But yes, as as you started, 20-ish minutes certainly doesn't feel like quite enough time to really get into the weeds here. Yeah. But where do we want to start wrapping this conversation up as it relates to inflammation and exercise and anti-aging? Anything that maybe we haven't talked about or anything worth putting a pin on? Yeah. I mean, I think think there's kind of like two thoughts I have. But the one that I kind of want to touch on because supplementation is such a common question is... Well, shoot, EC, you talked about inflammation and you talked about oxidation and these free radicals. Like, why not increase my antioxidants in my diet? Why don't mm. I take more anti-inflammatories? Like, why, why isn't that the strategy versus, you know, train hard? <laughs> it's interesting. Some of the research that's used and looked at anti-inflammatories and antioxidants at high doses finds that it actually does not help performance. In fact, it can hinder it. Why? Because remember, this pro-inflammatory response is necessary. Exercise is inflammatory in the short term. And it's believed that it's that pro-inflammatory response that drives this healing process of the immune system to allow us to grow and repair to a stronger level. And so if you're taking high-dose anti-inflammatories and antioxidants, you're potentially counteracting the effect that you ultimately want. You're trying to, let's say, Mm. put out the fire too soon. You want a little bit of a fire so we get that healing effect to come after it. And so this is, again, where we, where I don't recommend high dose and anti-inflammatories. I don't recommend supplementation at all. I recommend that we get our ne- an adequate amount of anti-inflammatories and antioxidants from our diet, but, but not to this supra physiological level via supplementation. Thank you, EC. Thank you to everybody who listens, leaves a rating and subscribes to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll be back for another episode of the Consistency Project soon. EC here. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Thank you as well for all the support for the five-star ratings and the reviews and for telling your friends or family about the podcast that really does help the podcast grow. And if you want to get the most recent info from me and be up to date on all of my content, the best place for that is my email list. So you can subscribe at optimizemenutrition.com slash email 
I send out emails weekly-ish, <laughs> and that's also the best place to get your question in the queue for Quick Bites episodes. So again, that's optimizemenutrition.com slash email, and there's also a link in the show notes.